to Trek Companion. This is episode 324. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to discuss Star Trek Prodigy's first two episodes, Lost and Found, parts one and two. We're going to do them as one discussion. Star Trek Prodigy, created by Kevin and Dan Hageman. Cast includes Brett Gray as Dal R.L., Ella Purnell as Gundala, Jason Monzukas as Jankum Pog, Angus Emery as Zero, Riley Alizrecki as Rock Talk, D. Bradley Baker as Murph, Jimmy Simpson as Dreadnought, John Noble as the Diviner, and Kate Mulgrew as Catherine Janeway Hologram. Lost and Found, Parts 1 and 2, Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2. Original release date, October 28, 2021. Directed by Ben Hyben, written by Kevin and Dan Hageman. On the Tars Lamar prison colony in the Delta Quadrant, a young alien named Dal dreams of escaping. The colony's leader, the Diviner, sends his robotic enforcer, Dreadnought, to capture a problematic prisoner, Zero, who causes an explosion that allows Dal to get away. Dal is captured and interrogated by the Diviner's daughter, Gwen, who gives him two days to locate Zero. Descending on a tip to the deep core mining level to find Zero, Dal accidentally causes a rock collapse that reveals the abandoned Federation starship USS Protostar. Man, there are a lot more stars than I thought. Let me guess. You haven't thought that far ahead. I'll figure something out. Only this time, he has health. Did someone ask for help? I am Hologram Janeway your training advisor for exploring the greater galaxy. On behalf of Starfleet, welcome aboard. How can I be of assistance? What is that? I have no idea. All right. So right off the top, we're going we're gonna to talk about something none of us planned to talk about. Uh, listeners, two weeks ago on this podcast, and even in episodes prior to that, we talked excitedly about our plans post Star Trek Picard, and those were to be Prodigy. And our plan was to do basically the first season, which is 20 episodes, and then we would be doing the first 10 episodes of season two live as it aired this fall, because Paramount told us it was going to air this fall. As recently as a month or two ago, they confirmed (laughs) season two Prodigy would be airing this fall. And then, between two weeks ago and now, they not only announced that was not going to happen, but that they were canceling the show effectively. And to make it even worse, this incredible new thing for streaming services that was started recently, they also announced they were removing it from the service. They made that announcement on a Friday, and by Monday it was gone. It was entirely gone. Right this moment, the only way to watch Prodigy is to either buy the first 10 episodes, you know, digitally on uh, iTunes, etc., or to buy the Blu-ray. And there is no way to watch episodes 11 through 20. And episodes 21 through 40, season two of those 20 episodes, are still in production. They said they're going to finish them, and they're looking for some other streamer to basically buy it, but that hasn't been announced in any way, so who knows if that's actually going to happen. And even if it does, we have no idea when we might see those. So there is, any, there is a universe where we literally never see 20 episodes of Star Trek that have been produced. That's a frightening 
uh, thought. <laughs> right before we went to record, we, we heard that they are going to be releasing episodes 11 through 20 Blu-ray in September. So we probably, we might actually be able to at least do continue with that part of our plan and then cross our fingers that season two airs by the time we finish discussing those. So those are, those are the facts. There's this thing that happens when you love something the way we love Star Trek. When you spend your life, as long as you can remember, thinking of yourself as a Star Trek fan and watching all of it, anticipating it when it's coming, missing it when it's gone, living in that kind of universe, you start to feel a sense of Here's the word, ownership. And something like this happens, and you're reminded that you are wrong. <laughs> you have no ownership. You have nothing. Now, you can buy discs, and then you can just close your doors and uh, pull down the shades and stay in your house and pretend like the outside world doesn't exist and watch your discs forever. I'm not sure how well that works, but that's the closest thing you get to a real sense of ownership because this makes you realize if they can do this to Star Trek, they can do this to anything. Sure, Prodigy is their, the show with the least cachet or whatever of the, of the new Star Treks, but it's just gross pulling a show off of the friggin' service. Canceling it would be one thing, but it was pulling it off the service that was so upsetting to me. Really, maybe. If at first, when I, Steve, Steve, we have like a group text, the three of us, and, and Steve messaged it, and it didn't even occur to me. Well, at first, I thought he was just saying, I thought you were Steve, you were just saying, season two, we don't know when it's going to air, but they're going to finish making like, All right, that sucks, but okay. It, it took me a second to realize, wait a minute, you're saying we're not even, there's going to be no legal way to actually watch. 10 episodes of Star Trek. And that, I mean, that's the position we're in as of this very moment. There's no way to watch episodes 11 through 20. Um, when you think about the people that spent years making that show to be told, hey, we're just pulling it. So that's also very, very not cool. Prodigy, they really kind of screwed Prodigy in a way. I, I don't know that there's ever been a Star Trek show that from the very beginning, they they handicapped it. They kept changing the way it was going to air, where it was going to air. It was a Nickelodeon show, then it was going to pay Paramount Plus, then it was both, and and it wasn't. And then they broke the first season up, but it was like a year, wasn't it? It was something really nutty the way right, they split right. it in half. Mm -hmm. And on top of everything else, you know, they they clearly didn't market it right. This this show is for at best families, more like kids, unlike every other of the new Star Trek shows, and they just didn't do it right for that audience. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's bad all around and it's uncool. And it's a weird world that we live in now because this was never a thing. This was never a thing before whatever that was a couple of years ago when Zaslav took over WB and canceled the in post movie Batwoman, right? Nobody had ever done that before just to save a few bucks on as a tax write-off, which is what it sounds like is the reason Paramount did this. They had the end of their fiscal year at the end of June, and they could save some money by literally pulling it off their service. But here's the cost. Paramount Plus is no longer the home of Star Trek. You cannot say, go to Paramount Plus, and you can see all of Star Trek. I mean, you, you, there were 
they were constantly pulling, putting the movies on and off. But if we just ignore the movies for a second, this, the TV shows, Paramount Plus is not, you can't go there and watch Star Trek television. It's not all there. It's just not, right? I pay for a Paramount Plus subscription for Star Trek. And it's not there. It's, some of it's not there. Yeah, this yeah, this is really odd, and I, I can't help but think about how this affects you know the, this kind of thing affects uh, you know viewers of all sorts of TV shows because this is what we're talking about, but this is happening on streaming services, a number of streaming services, and all sorts of shows. And and yeah, it is odd. I mean, I was trying to think of a, of a comparison. You know, obviously, in you know before streaming, and you know there were times when it's not like you could just watch anything you wanted to watch in, in, on a show right i mean this you know when when things aired on networks or whatever else and before they went to home video there were certainly times where you could not necessarily on demand watch any episode of anything you ever wanted to watch but we never have been to this point where not to men- not to, of course not to say we're used to this now but we've never been at this point where it's inaccessible like something that's viewed you know, for years now, it's, it's been impossible to imagine that there's it's it's conceivable if no one picked it, something up that you're they're just gone forever and this kind of thing. It's bizarre, and I think maybe the miscalculation, and maybe maybe we care about this more than most people do, Trek fans do. But you know, in a world where it's so canon based, and you have a have a world, and it's all this kind of stuff, that's a really dangerous maneuver. You know, they not they don't totally understand their fan base because it's kind of like trying to retcon history out you know like trying to rewrite you know basically oh we're just removing this and as we're going to talk you know this is a this is a bizarre series and yeah it's aimed toward kids but there is stuff that establishes canon with yep. other series and you know characters and this kind of stuff so yeah it's 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 it's, it's bizarre i often talk about the way that i love star trek on this podcast right i talk about the difference between a uh trekkie and a trekker and i'm a trekker and you know and I would rather the shows were good, but it, it's it's almost irrelevant because I need to I need to live in that universe, and I want to go on the journey and see what's happening, and I and I want it to all be real. And this is canonical stuff that is unavailable. Why? I mean, at least why couldn't they have had, already had a plan, right? We're trying to find a new home for the the, the twenty episodes that are in in production. I mean, they were supposed to air. They're animated shows that are supposed to start airing in a couple months. They Many of them must be completely finished or very close to it, right? My biggest concern is like there's there could be Star Trek episodes we'll never see. That's freaking nuts, man. I, that is not cool. I don't know. And rarely have we encountered something that's so transparently economical. I mean, this isn't yeah. the reason for all this is is so just simply economics and profit. So they can write something off on their taxes. I mean, it's not even that much money. That's what gets me. Mm-hmm. How much could it possibly be? Right. You're talking about a billion-dollar corporation. Talking about, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe a million, two million. I don't know. That that Batwoman write-off supposedly saved them twenty million. They're almost sixty billion in debt. You know. <laughs> okay, you saved twenty million, and I canceled my HBO Max subscription. Thank you very much. Uh, which you know, hey, this fall sounds like I won't be leaving my Paramount Plus subscription going. You know, it sounds like I'll be canceling it when, you know, between Lower Decks, this, that it starts airing in uh, August, when that goes off the air, between that and Discovery Season 5, I'm guessing, January, February, maybe, who knows, the, the writer's strike might have messed up that final episode reshoot, I don't know, whatever. That, that, so that's months at least uh, that I'm going to be canceling my Paramount Plus subscription for sure. Well, I didn't, I've just started watching the series 
I haven't, I haven't wa- obviously haven't watched the all 10 or the first 20 episodes. My first feeling is based on the first episode, not that I didn't like it or didn't enjoy it, but it doesn't really surprise me because um, one of the differences between say Star Trek and Star Wars, Star Wars has kind of always been marketed to kids. And this is kind of a new venture for them to market straight to kids. I mean, Lower Decks is not a kid's show. It's it's for adults. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are kids who watch it. But that, that show is tailored for us, um, you know, the, the older fans. Um, and, and that's why it's great. So I get maybe that they didn't quite get the – maybe they just didn't get the viewership that they were planning on it. And I can understand that. It's just, you know, start – you don't – before the show, when you heard Star Trek, you didn't think, you know, kids show or, or things for kids. You know, there weren't Ewoks or, you know, things of that nature. So it doesn't surprise me. It does surprise me that you mentioned before. It's like that they just completely pulled it right off the streaming service. That didn't make sense to me. But I mean, I guess, you know, they have accountants and that's they're like, we'll save money if we just pull it completely off. So I guess that's the reasoning behind that. And it's just purely business. And Brian, you and I have worked in this this realm of media long enough to know that, you know, you're right. We don't own anything and anything can go away like that you know so it's just it's just the way it is well we briefly discussed maybe changing our plans and not talking about prodigy but as as the days have gone by i think i've done 180 degrees on that one and i think it's more important than ever that we talk about prodigy it's a little weird to talk about a show that our listeners cannot follow along with because that's the whole point of our podcast the trek companion listen to it as you're going through the show again uh the, our listeners can't follow, follow the show unless they own the blues or buy it specifically you know on itunes or so that's a little bit weird but that is what it is i think we're, we're going to stick with our plan and go ahead and discuss prodigy so with that overly long preamble out of the way let's talk lost and found parts one and to steve kick us off so i mean this definitely has to have like if there's a competition for how long would this show go on before you realize it's star trek <laughs> you know if you didn't know this this would win I mean, I, i'm pretty sure you know um i just rewatched it I, I watched it when it came out and just now rewatched it for the the podcast and it and it's and it's very interesting how how it rolls and and, and you know what's what's funny about this the series in general and certain episodes in particular, while it's tailored for kids, I've always found it more confounding than some of the other um, series in the sense that following along with the plot, or maybe I'm looking to, to make it more complicated than what it is in some cases, but because it's not grounded, so much of it's not grounded in Trek and, and the, the opening, this two-parter that starts the series um, it takes so long. You hear like the, or the word Federation, I don't know what, five, seven minutes into it or something like that. And then, then eventually we get to a ship and then, you know, of course the tail end. And I think what most people saw going into this, what they knew about Janeway and the hologram and Kate Mulgrew coming back and so forth. And so of course, and that doesn't even happen until the last minute or something of this, uh, this two-parter, but you know, as far as creativity and creating some just new angle at things, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cloth. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's one of the freshest, you know, new things because yeah. it's not based on anything until, until later in this episode. And then of course, later in the series, do we start establishing that? But otherwise it's, it feels more like a novel in a way, you know, like some kind of strange little corner of the universe and then how it connects uh, to other Trek that we know. 
And then you start, you know, and as this episode goes on, you get little signs of things. There's a reference to Kazon, which you recall from Voyager and the yeah, Delta that's, Quadrant. That's pretty you know. early on. And that makes, that's, that's your first thought. Oh, was this the Delta yeah. Quadrant? Yeah. Okay. Right, right. They have also kind of an unusual way of introducing the cast. It's like they introduce them, but don't introduce them. We see most of the cast pretty early on, but we know very little about them. And then they're kind of revealed through various means and um, through interactions with the, the, the lead character as it goes. So Yeah, it's, it's funny because like, you know, a normal Star Trek show here's the ship, mm-hmm. there's the bridge crew, that's our, that's our cast, right? Yeah. My uh, girlfriend watched this first episode with me when it first aired, you know, a couple years ago. And the little cat person, the <laughs> little kid that the Kazon, the slave that the Kazon, she thought that cat person was the cutest thing ever. And she was so into this show. I'm like, very quickly, really, oh, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's her, you might think, oh, that cat is like a part of the show. No. <laughs> right, right. No. For the reasons you were just describing, you know, it's, it's, it's not clear until you get in a couple episodes in. Yeah, so I think I think what's interesting is this kind of uh, conflicting notion where, in some ways, clearly tailored toward a young audience, not an adult audience at all. In other ways, a, a very interesting opening and uh, the angle it takes is not is not is something you have to kind of invest in to even understand what's going on. You can't just like totally passively watch and there's you know some of the action's cool and all that, but you, if you're totally passive with it, you're gonna miss what's going on in, in the plot. So I think that that. That's interesting, I suppose. You don't. It takes you a while to realize just how deep some of the plotting is. Mm-hmm. You know, they've worked out. They know everything. Who this villain, mystery villain guy, the John Noble character is, and uh, the diviner. It's a pretty detailed backstory and explanation about how everything came to be where it is in this episode. It takes a while to get there. Mm-hmm. That's not. I mean, that's not a complaint. But I mean, that's the kind of thing you're like. I don't know how how effective that is for kids, really. Right. Adam, your first thoughts on. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything that's that's been said said so far. You know, I think they do a good job setting up a whole new world. You know, you know this prison colony. You know, you have a villain. They're mining. They're taking children. It's kind of horrific in a way, but (laughs) but they do it in a a nice kid show way. So yeah, it's there's a lot of the setup, and then you know, obviously, you know, we get the clues of Federation Kazon. Like I said, that's all that's kind of been mentioned. I will say the um, the animation is is fantastic. I mean, you know, I enjoyed the the look and the feel of um, how they put this together. It's to me, it's kind of completely different from Lower Decks. Lower Decks kind of has more of a it's a word I'm looking for pedestrian look to it, and maybe not, but kind of more like a, a Simpsons kind of feel to it. It's kind of more um, caricature. This is kind of more real. Um, real animation so i mean yeah i enjoyed that you know you get into it and um obviously you have these different characters you know you have this daughter gwen of the diviner you can see that she's conflicted in this area and you know obviously later on in the episode they kidnap her and you can kind of see her slowly starting to turn so she's an interesting character um just the way they brought you know brought things together the like you were saying steve you know we're introduced to all these characters but they don't speak the same languages because they're you know there's no you know that, that's a pretty cool thing we've never seen yeah. anything do that try that before until they get to you know the proto yeah. and um you know then they can start speaking to each other and you know and they do a little misdirection you know the big rock creature you, you obviously think is going to have a menacing voice and you find out that it's just a, a kid so there's there's they uh, they put this episode together really well trying you know putting together a world and building it and um 
and, and bringing you along for the ride in it. Um, like I said, you know, we were having our, our pre-discussion about why it got canceled. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just too much for regular Star Trek fans. I don't know to kind of go to this whole new created world. I mean, you know, maybe if they were going to try to do a kid's show, they might've made it a little bit more for familiar for fans. I, I don't know. We'll speculate as, as we go along, like, um, you know, for the reasons behind the show, not going on, but, those are kind of my first initial thoughts, like maybe why this didn't wasn't a success. I do want to make one comment on the animation. I mean, I like the design and, and look of the show and stuff, but there's something about the fidelity of the image that it always looks like it's about to break apart to me. I don't know. In a way that none, none of the other newer tracks do. It, it's almost like... I don't know, maybe it was, was it finished at 720p and upconverted or something? You know, that's it. Yeah, there are times when it looks like I'm looking at standard def or something. I don't know. It's kind of, that part of it's kind of weird. Cost savings. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that That's kind of weird. But I thought maybe it was just bad streaming, but now watching, you know, watching it on Blu-ray, it looks the same. So I'm like, no, okay, that's just, that's the show. So maybe that's a little unfortunate, but... I like uh, I like the characters a lot. You know, uh, all of them really are fun. I, my favorite is probably Zero. I, what a nutty idea that there's a Medusa that's a series regular, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the more interesting takes, and it's got this suit instead of obviously a box. But uh, you know, that, that's that's interesting. And I like her. I, I like. I think she's funny. Yeah. Um, well, she says she's not neither male nor female, but it seems like a female voice. Uh, Zero. I think Zero is is funny. The laugh out loud line in this episode, in these episodes for me was, I'm flattered. You think I know what I'm doing when, when <laughs> Zero is piloting the ship. And <laughs> yeah. I like the design of the ship too. The, the bridge. Oh, it's, yeah, like, it's cool. It's, it's like, it's like Voyager, but more modern somehow. Yeah. yeah. I like the, the stairs that walk up to the bridge. It's kind of got a more open feel. You know, you got the whole, the whole bridge is, you know, glass so you can see. So I, I thought it was a very cool design. It's the first time we've had a, Tellarite as a series as a main character, right? Series regular. I think I heard this is the first before the Universal Translator. Maybe this is the first time we've heard Tellarite language. I'm not sure if that's true. Hmm. Perhaps. I'll have to wait a few more episodes till I get into it. I wasn't sure how I felt about the. Don't get me wrong. I love having Janeway in this and Kate Mulgrew back, but I don't know. It kind of it felt a little goofy. That was my kind of my complaint. Like, okay, you know. I'll help you or your cadets, you know, I don't know. Just I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll wait on a holding judgment till later until I find out more about that. I think the thing you have to remember, because I remember feeling a little bit like that at, the, for, at first as well, is that this is not Janeway. Right. This is a different character. This is hologram, hologram Janeway or whatever, but it's not Janeway. Once you kind of accept that, then, you know, it's fun. You know, she's like this mentor to them. And obviously I've seen the first 20 episodes and, I remember liking it more and more. As the show. I mean, like, put it this way. This opening two-parter are the episodes I like the least of. I like it more as it goes on until the second season. I remember there was an episode that was so good. Or not second season, I'm sorry. The second half of season one. There was an episode that was so good. I remember, like, texting you guys or something like, holy crap. Remember that? Oh yeah. I was yeah. like, I can't believe it. this was this was great. It was so it was that good. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not something that happens very often. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So it just gets better and better. Um, you know, this is this is the show at its least interesting to me. The setup. Yeah. And it's a lot of setup. I love that weapon or whatever it is that Gwen has. 
the like forming thingy. Yeah, it's cool design. Yeah, yeah it's neat. Dal is an interesting character. Does not like I feel like we've seen characters like Dal before, but not as the lead of a Star Trek show. You know, it's it's a little weird. It's it's a little bit like we're not so much the target audience for this show, but it's I mean it's a solid show. We're just not the target audience. So the things that we enjoy are the things that it's going to turn into more later, maybe. Well, it's going to be interesting. You guys know the, the you know I I think I did this once before. I can't remember which show I did it, or I didn't watch it until we talked about it. It might have been the first. I think it was the first season of Lower Decks. So the first season of this, I'll do as well. I will say that this is definitely one of these that is um, watching it again because I've only seen all of these once. You know, it, it took me a while to because the because there's the plot borders on convoluted. You know, because there's so much to it. You know that it was helpful to when watching it again to get into it some you know because you really have to, again it's kind of that's the irony of this is a little bit is that if it's targeted toward kids i don't know what kid is like buying into this from <laughs> yeah how old are the kid you know buying into this from the get-go where they actually understand it you know but as you indicated it does change a lot as it gets as it progresses then you kind of get the, the vibe and where they're kind of going and what transpires and then some of these details don't quite matter in the same way what is this episode about a lot of the episode is about coming together. That's what it was for me. You know, you have these group of characters that are, you know, in this prison. They're pretty much resigned to their fate, except for Dal. And, um, you know, he brings them together. They, you know, they find the ship and they come together. Um, overcoming obstacles, overcoming fear. That's kind of the themes that I kind of saw out of it. There's fairly simple themes. Yeah, I could buy that because I think definitely what they have in common, they're all in very different circumstances but in some in some respects, but what they have in common is that they 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 need to get out. You know, they're in a they're in situations that they are just untenable and they can't just keep going that way or you know, that's not a life or whatever. And so they're kind of getting out together, you know. Yeah, I mean, we say this show is targeted for kids. It's not targeted to 5-year-olds. Right. right. I mean, right. This is probably like 10 and 12-year-olds sure. kind of it's like uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars, right? It's probably similar target. Yeah, the difference is Clone Wars came out over 10 years ago. Now it's, it's harder to hold um, 10, 12-year-olds' attention. Maybe if they have one of us talking over the show the whole time on YouTube, then that would hold their attention. Yeah, if they really wanted to make it popular, throw it on YouTube. I feel like we're shortchanging this episode a little bit. Well, I, I, I think... I think it's complicated because I think that it's there's there's is so much setup. This is probably the most setup that any pilot does in some respects, especially if you any consider Star Trek pilot. Any Star Trek pilot, I should say, yes, because it's um, you know, yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a two hour one. It's not like that, but it is a full hour or close to it, fifty minutes, whatever it comes to. And so it's it's complicated, and it, and I agree that it maybe doesn't it sell it sells the series short a little bit because it's so convoluted in some respects, and there's characters that we know next to nothing about, and others that have barely been introduced, and and so on. I, but I but I would say that um, especially given its its current fate, you know, it, it's unfortunate because I think it's 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 you know tackling you know Trek from a new angle entirely. It's you know it may not be anyone's favorite perhaps or some very few people's favorite trek but it's um but it's certainly a, a unique a unique take all right steve kate mulgrew plays holographic captain janeway not counting the star trek experience borg invasion 4d what was the last live action trek where we saw janeway um nemesis 
Yes, sir. She had a brief little cameo as an admiral. Admiral? Admiral? Card, you get admiral. all the fun assignments. Uh, so, Steve takes it for the day. We only have the one question. We only talked once. So, you were you, you lost Adam and you never even had a shot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about revisiting this show with you gentlemen. Uh, all right. So, in two weeks, we're going to be back to discuss the next two episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. Take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.